Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Praise God, isn't he good? Let's give Julian a huge round of applause. He's going to carry on our Advent series. Bless you, Julian. Good morning. At the end of this process, at least one of you will be saved. <laughs> Actually, that was good, wasn't I? Yeah, I'd planned that. <laughs> oh, there goes my plan of using no comedy, trying to keep it straight. Pretty picture. I'm very indebted to my future son-in-law for helping me with his overheads, Phil, so thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. Do you find there's certain scriptures and certain Bible passages that over the years kind of really have an effect on your life? I call them DNA scriptures, various scriptures that we've heard, <laughs> preachers that we've heard, and they really become part of your life. Anyone ever experienced that at all? Good, right. What are they? Shout them out. Psalm 23, thank you. Psalm 139, fantastic. Hebrews 10.23. John 10.10.10, that's more shepherding, isn't it? Sorry? Isaiah 40, yes. Comfort, come my people. Anything else? 2 Corinthians 12.10. Who knows what that is? Proverbs 3, verse 5. Yes, trust in the Lord. 1. Corinthians 13, all about love. Not this. I'm just going to keep this going. Psalm 103. <laughs> Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He forgives all our sin. Yeah? He heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. We've just heard about that, haven't we? He crowns us with loving kindness and compassion. And our youth, hooray, is renewed like the eagle's. Hallelujah. Yeah, Psalm 103 is good, isn't it? So, as you can see, um, there are scriptures which have an impact on our lives. I was going to give you my list, but I'm not going to bother now. <laughs> Except Acts 26.19, that's the one that burns in the middle. You'll read that thing, what's he on about? But, uh, but for me, uh, my good friend Steve Dunn at Beacon, he spoke about eight and a half years ago in the middle of summer. He spoke on the subject of betrothal and... Uh, he never mentioned Christmas at all, but I found it a really helpful, really helpful what he shared. And I've asked him if I can pinch one or two of his uh, Hebrew bits uh, this morning. So I'm very indebted to Steve for that. But uh, would you like to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18? So we're going to read the Bible. Isn't it great? You call out scriptures that have made an impact on your life rather than self-help books that have made an impact on your life. It's the word that gives us life, brothers and sisters. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his, mother Mary had been, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Jesus, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Almighty God, Sovereign Lord, Precious Father, we are just staggered when we take that moment to recognise who you are, the wonder and kindness of your word, the magnificence of your creation, the millions of cells that run round our body, that perfection, within that wonderful relationship of Father, Son and Holy Spirit, you were prepared to come to make a way through Jesus that we could join you in that wonderful fellowship. Father, thank you so much. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the impact your word has had on us as a family here over the years. Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher as we look at these few simple truths. Amen. So we're briefly going to look this morning at the subject of betrothal um, and then some of the practical applications in Joseph's life. And I trust that you're going to see there is actually a beautiful link between the issue of betrothal and the timeless Christmas story and ultimately our destiny as followers of Jesus. And then towards the end of the talk, we're just going to share communion together, um, which will come into context later. And I really want us to get, I don't want us to get, that you could actually inside get a little bit excited when some of these truths start to come together. Because what I'm going to share today is a, is a bit, of, bit of a jigsaw. There's going to be a bit here and a bit there, and it might sound a little bit disjointed, but if you bear with me, the picture will come together. Now, in the Old Testament, we had someone shout out that they found Isaiah 40 very helpful. <laughs> in Isaiah 54, we have this scripture from the Old Testament. It says... For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. Has anyone been watching the Star Wars things recently? No? Right, I won't bother with my Star Wars joke then. (laughs) It's very dodgy. But the Lord is called, the Lord is called a husband to his people in the Old Testament. And yet in the New Testament, Jesus is called the bridegroom and we're called the bride. Interesting, isn't it? Where are we called the bride? Well, in Revelation 19 and verse 7, it says this, Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. So we've got marriage, we've got bride, we've got all this. So what on earth has this got to do with Christmas? Well, let's look again at Matthew 1. Make no apology for continually returning to the word of God. It says this, 
Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his, Mar- when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So we come across this quite old-fashioned word, which is betrothal. Now, in our country, you decide you're going to get married, don't you? So what do you do? You get, you get engaged. Oh, weren't they beautiful? So yeah, I don't suppose you want to see any other pictures, do you? No? No? Yes? Well, that's a relief. Okay. <laughs> oh, dear. So anyway, you, you, you get engaged. That was, that was 1982, so... <laughs> But in Bible times, things were very different. You didn't, you didn't get engaged as such. You became betrothed. And uh, it was very different. What would happen is you'd become betrothed, and then uh, the couple, in that sense, it was the same as marriage, but the couple did not come together physically or domestically, but the man, they'd be betrothed, and then the man would go off uh, in time, come back about a year later. So... Let's, so we've got that up on the board. So at betrothal in, in, in uh, Bible times, there was an agreement. Now, forgive my Hebrew, because it's not that good. It was something called a moshar. I do forgive me if you're a theological expert. And this was where a price was paid, often by the father. Then a covenant promise was made between the two parties, called a ket uvar. Sounds like something from Bob Mortimer, doesn't it? But it was called a, a, ket, a, a ket uvar. And this also protected the woman's rights. Now, if either of the parties were unfaithful during that betrothal time, that was actually a ground for the, diso- for the divorce, even before they'd actually come together. And this is where our jigsaw, hopefully, will start to come together. Because at betrothal, and this really excites me, at betrothal, the bridegroom would pour out a glass of wine and he would hand it to his bride for her to drink. And then he would say to her this, I will not drink of this cup again until I return. Uh, Does that sound familiar? And after that, here it comes, the groom would go and prepare a place for her. Isn't it wonderful how the Bible all links up? So betrothal is a very powerful and a very binding agreement. And we can see the endless parallels between Jesus and his people. Jesus being the bridegroom, and us being the bride. And it was Jesus who poured out his blood on the cross. He gave us communion, the symbolism which we're going to have a look at and partake of later. And Jesus, at the Last Supper, declared his betrothal to his disciples. And they would have understood that, living in that culture. So let's turn briefly to Matthew chapter 26. There we go. So Matthew 26, um, and it's uh, when Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, communion, breaking of bread. It says this. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, 
all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it with you anew in my Father's kingdom. Isn't that amazing? And Steve gave this awesome quote. Jesus didn't just humble himself by getting on one knee to propose, but he humbled himself unto death on a cross. Such love. You see, it's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. The price he's paid for our sin and for our failures. His betrothal to us, the down payment that he has made for us. But we have to make a choice whether we are going to respond to that invitation and that way that he's made for us. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And we have to make a choice whether we are going to accept that salvation that he is offering us. And we looked at it earlier. The Bible talks about this marriage feast of the Lamb. It says, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made himself ready. Have you ever noticed one thing about this passage? Can I have a quick drink now? There are no guests. Excuse me. There's no guests at the wedding feast of the Lamb. You're either the bridegroom or the bride. Now we have a wedding coming up in our family and uh, (laughs) I see Sean and Jackie kind of, oh, you poor things. (laughs) And you have the people that are coming to the wedding, the people coming to the afternoon thing, the people you like but you can't get into the evening thing. You've got the evening thing but they can't come to the disco because they come earlier but they're coming from a long way. And you've got all these different invitations, different levels of invitations for all the different guests. It really is quite a do. But in this one, there are no guests. You're either in or you're not. We come individually to Jesus. We have to come as me. And as we are become Christians, we become part of God's family. We become part of his bride. And the only way to enjoy that eternal marriage with Jesus is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. You cannot come as a friend, a churchgoer, brought up in a Christian home, a so-called Christian nation. That's not the way. You can only come by asking Jesus Christ to come into your life. And to be a bit controversial, I would say if you make no decision, you're actually making the decision to say no. But later we will come to communion and there'll be that opportunity for us just to reflect again on Jesus and what he's done. But let's quickly return to the Christmas story. Does anyone like me feel a bit sorry for Joseph? Yeah? Oh, dear. I, I, I feel sorry for the guy. I mean, he, he's got this lovely girl that he's uh, betrothed to, and then he finds out that she's going to have a baby. Now, if you read Deuteronomy 22, 21, and 24, I don't recommend you put this one on your fridge. Um, <laughs> but there were serious consequences for unfaithfulness, for adultery, and so forth. People could even be stoned. And Joseph technically could have been stoned as well. It's tough. But let's go back and see what the Bible says. 
Matthew 1:19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So here we see Joseph, and he tries to address this tragedy in a godly way. It says that he was a just man, and he considered what to do. The whole world was falling around his ears, and now he was considering what to do. And guess what happens? The supernatural kicks in. And Matthew likes the supernatural. He allows time and space to reflect and didn't overreact quickly. And again, we heard that this morning. We had an issue. What did we do? We went away. We sought God. We read the Bible. We prayed. And God spoke. Isn't that encouraging? So encouraging. But we live in very demanding, busy world, don't we? Things happen and we can thrash out quickly to try and defend ourselves or to protect our rights. And yet, and we've heard it again this morning, it's quite frightening as a preacher when you just listen to everyone preaching the sermon before you get up. Encouraging. Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. When the tragedy hits, when the disaster hits, be still. That could be sitting, walking, driving, whatever. But just be still and recognise the sovereignty of our God. Simon shared recently on difficult situations that uh, they've been praying about. And it it just took us briefly to the story of the transfiguration. As we know, Jesus is transfigured before Peter and some of the other disciples. And Peter wants to do something, as Simon shared with us. He wants to build a tabernacle. He's trying to get something going. And God just says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Brothers and sisters, that is a word I think should still be resonating in our spirits from what Simon said. Let's listen to him. If not, the bruise on your head just gets bigger as you're banging it against the, why doesn't God speak to me? Listen to him. Joseph was in a dire situation he was broken. He was disappointed. I'm sure he was grappling with what he'd heard. He'd heard this lovely girl that he loved so much say to him. I'm sure he was angry. He was hurt. He was embarrassed. And the rest of his future appeared to be in ruins. It's a cheerful word, isn't it? But have, have you been there? Have you been there? I will open the bag now. Now, in 2003, something very supernatural happened. Amazing doors were opened for Julia and I to get involved in a certain country. Any guesses? Do you want me to run around the room with it around my back? beautiful country of Portugal, yeah. If you don't get that, then... uh, uh, That, okay. Got that as well, then. And because I love the Reverend Chris Walters, I've bought the football shirt 
as well. This is the original Ronaldo shirt when he was only number 17. Because I'm a true fan, not just because he's popular now. But God's supernatural, it was quite incredible. Out of nowhere, God started opening these amazing doors. It, it still makes me tingle when I think of, of how it all started to come together. Unexplained coincidences and opportunities to go over and become involved in the church in that very precious and beautiful country. And over many years, covered in prayer and under um, the watchful eye and care of our elders and leaders in our church at the time, we were able to go over and support Christians and non-Christians um, in that country. Uh, spent many hours learning the language, which I've forgotten most of it now. And uh, I would do long hours at work to try and create as much flexi time as I could to get out there uh, for long weekends and so forth. Sometimes work, get on the plane, get off the plane, get to where I was, no tea, coffee, refreshments, straight in to preach or lead worship or pray for people. It was an amazing time trying to encourage people to just love Jesus. And we invested very heavily in our time, finances and emotional energy. I got to some paid time off work um, and went out there and worked um, for free for a member of the church and uh, so forth. So we invested a lot of ourselves in it. However, we encountered many tough challenges and a lot of spiritual and personal opposition. And so in a tiny little cold apartment block in 2008, Julia and I, as we'd heard earlier, we took time aside, we sat down, we prayed. And at last I realised the obvious, which was the Holy Spirit was closing the door and calling us to come away. And it was really tough to walk away. And even now... Folk, I mean, Simon, you know, he spots the aftershocks in my life sometimes. He just sees them, you know. You, you sure you're through? But it was really tough to walk away. It's hard to walk away when you sense God has opened a door. You get that? Those of you who've been Christians a long time, you've experienced that. You sense God's opened a door supernaturally, and then two, three, five, ten years later, the door closes. You don't understand why. It's really tough. I was... Broken, I was broken-hearted, basically. I was confused. And I also felt a bit of, a, bit of an idiot, I felt a bit foolish, because you're sharing with people, you know, this is what God's doing. The prophetic words that I believed I'd received, some from quality people, just seemed to be in tatters around my feet. I returned to work, my team ostracised me, they wouldn't talk to me. It was really horrible. And I think, in a way, this can be a sense of what, Joseph was going through. I've got this lovely girl. We're going to marry. We're going to get it all sorted. And now everything is broken and it's fallen around my ears. But at the point of Joseph's brokenness, the Bible tells us that God turned up. There is always hope. There is always hope. It's not, it's not in my notes, but I'm reminded. It's Job 9, Job 14. It talks about a, a tree, a tree stump that's cut. And it's just dead, it's finished. And yet at the scent of water, it throws up shoots. God never lets, us, never lets us down. There is always the shoots of recovery with God. So God turns up. The angel starts to unpack to Joseph what's going on. He explains as much of the bigger picture that Joseph at that time is able to comprehend. 
And for us, in reality, especially for me, it was, probably, it was only, only probably early to middle of last year that I truly was able to confront that sense of disappointment and the sense of missing out on God's best. That's nine years. That is a long time of holding that disappointment and frustration and sadness. Especially when you believe you're doing what God has called you to do. However, in my brokenness, you hit a level of honesty with God. He starts to unpack where you have your own desires, where I had my own agenda. And that's tough. And you start to look again at the magnificence of God, his kindness, and look at the truth of his word, that he will never let us go, he will never leave us, and that he will never forsake us. And this is why I think in Matthew 1, chapter, uh, verse 20, is so precious. He consid- as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, And in the dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. God starts to tell Joseph what he's doing. He starts to speak about Jesus. And Joseph does this most amazing thing. He wakes up, which is a good start. (laughs) And he makes this fantastic step of faith within the culture. He did not divorce Mary, despite the incredible cultural pressures and misunderstandings that must have been around. He'd held on to God's word. And that's so key. Hold on to God's word. His walk wasn't easy. Trusting him was going to cost him. But he demonstrated his love for her by staying with her because he started to see there was a bigger vision and there was a bigger pur- purpose. And the Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. We can have faith. God will never, we sang it again this morning, didn't we? He will never let us down. But he will deal with us. And here's one, a bit embarrassing, so close your ears. But in the last verse, it says, have I got this? No, I've not not got this. It says that um, Mary and Joseph didn't come together until after Jesus was born. Again, he'd met with God and that gave him the ability, the vision to not demand his rights, but to put God first. And guys, sometimes we need to not demand our rights, we need to put God first. And it costs. Let's cheer things up a bit. That's how it ended. <laughs> Don't get too heavy. Merry Christmas. Because in in the words of that great saint of old, Noddy Holder, (laughs) Jane, it's Christmas. (laughs) But in the midst of Christmas, let's not, let's enjoy Christmas and all the other bits and so forth, or get through it, whichever is your won't. But let's not forget it's all about Jesus. He He wants to do business with us, even at this time of year. So shortly we're going to take shortly we're going to take communion. Perhaps if the servers would like to come up, that would be that would be really helpful. To uh, we're going to take communion. We have uh, tables at the front and at the back. The table on the right hand side here is gluten free. And what I'd like us to do is I'd like you to take the bread and the wine, juice, whatever, back to your seat, but don't take it 
I would like us to take it together because one day, as the bride of Christ, we are going to take it together with Jesus. So, yeah, thanks, Wally. You're a star. <laughs> so if you'd like to come and collect the uh, bread and wine, say, hang on to it, and then we'll come back. There's just two or three more things I'd like to say. We can pray for one another, and then we can start helping with food bank. Thank you. I'm going to have an opportunity to pray for one another and so forth. Just keep going, Mark. That's lovely. I know I sometimes, one always deals with issues in your own, the battle in your mind and one can get a bit fearful and I sometimes worry that maybe it sounds a bit negative when I share but I think I just want to share my heart that God really does love people who are disappointed distressed broken and lost and he never he never lets us go even in the darkest and there have been some very dark times I can assure you I sense the Lord say to me today that there's someone here and you feel that you've been seeking to follow God and it's just broken it's just fallen around your just fallen around you and as if you're trying to grab any hope and future and it's like putting your hands in a bucket and that sand just keeps running through your fingers and I it'd be good be good to pray with you today you see I've got good news the whole thing with um, (laughs) going to this lovely place You have that sense of loss, but God started dealing with me and has been dealing with me and keeps on dealing with me. (laughs) But I believe that, well, I know that God has given me a much deeper compassion for people having gone through this, having seen this dream and other dreams die. He's drawn me so much deeper into loving his word. And when it does fall all around you, sometimes you just go and sit down with your Bible there is nowhere else to go and I've been there many times and God just starts to speak to you and even if he doesn't it's still a fruitful and healthy thing to take some time aside Joseph's dreams they were dead they were dead in the water and yet he, he was obedient he was obedient when God started speaking to him and he, and he humbled himself And look what God did. As best we know from the scripture, Joseph gave Jesus 12 years of fathering, maybe more, we're we're not told. But because Joseph was obedient through that hurt and through that difficulty, he came through the other side with God's help. And he was able to give that security to the greatest man who ever walked on this planet. And I really believe that God does not want us to carry that really deep brokenness into 2019. 2013, around New Year, I was in such a state, my friends, I really was. Terrible. And I don't think God wants us to take brokenness into next year. Psalm 65 is a really good psalm to meditate on. 
and it says this, there's lots there and there's no time, but it says you crown the year with your blessing. Your paths overflow with abundance. Now, actually, some translations will say the wheels of your cart, everywhere you go. You always take the weather with you, whatever it is. But you, the wheels, of, even as your wheels turn, there is abundance and blessing. And I believe God wants to start to bring some of us in that dark place, into a place of blessing. We do not have to take heaviness and brokenness into 2019. We have a God who sets us free. We have brothers and sisters who have been there. I love it I get prayed for here because I get prayed for by people who've been broken but love Jesus. We don't want to be prayed for by experts. We need people who understand, who can empathise. So please, let me invite you. Do not take brokenness into 2019. But even this morning, you can give that to Jesus and say, Lord, help me to navigate my way through. As we heard earlier, steps were taken, discussions were made, people got before the Lord, and it was a process. It's not fall over, get up, and you're sorted. God then gives us a process to walk through and that builds our character. So can I encourage you to stand, please? (laughs) Oh, look what's come up on the screen. How did that get there? (laughs) Oh, dear. That Peggy's been fiddling with us again. (laughs) Let me commend Alpha to you that starts. We're going to hear about it next week. Let me commend Alpha to you. It is an excellent course. Following Alpha, the next Freedom in Christ course starts. We finished the last one on Friday. Was it good? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It's very good. I found it immensely helpful. Immensely helpful. So if you're on your phone now, Googling or texting someone because I'm boring, at least go to your calendar and put in 25th of April, 2019, 7 o'clock. And Peggy brings awesome biscuits. Let's just present ourselves to the Lord and then let him do what he needs to do. Father God, we want to thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and you humbled yourself to death, even death on the cross. And Father, you have highly exalted him to a place that is higher, given him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to thank you, Father, that you're a God who heals. You're a God who is in the redemption business. You're a God who speaks into our brokenness. So, Father, I pray that you would continue the good work that you have started in each one of us, Lord. And, Father, that you would give courage to those who are struggling with brokenness to take that step to come to you afresh and ask you and invite you in. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God, we love you and open ourselves to you. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at WhitRiverside.org.